As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the future where the glass is half full and you'll need new glasses, where you'll be jumping from conclusions. The past is a no, and a new future is born. Never before in history has so much meant so little to so many. AD on the radio. So here's an interesting thing. We don't technically know who is the winner of the Alabama special election yet. I mean, you know, dollars to donuts, it's Doug Jones. That sounds like it's going to be the thing. But this whole thing won't be put to bed until I think the very earliest, the 26th and the latest January 3rd. Have you caught this one, Travis? You've been following this? I have been following it. I'm I'm amused by it. I don't know Mm. what else to say. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the winner of the Alabama special election, Senator-elect Doug Jones, let's just go out on a limb and call him that, says he's ready to move forward despite Roy Moore's refusal to concede the race. He told State of the Union the other day that he's ready to go regardless of whether Moore concedes or not. I mean, he's, you know, champing at the bit. He wants to do the things that, he wants to do the things that a senator does. He wants to start work. And here's the thing. He, I don't think he can. He can act as if, but I don't think he can until the whole thing is fully resolved. He said, I think it's time to move on. Alabama has spoken. It was a close election. There's no question about that. But, you know, elections can be close sometime, but now it's time to heal. Um, if by heal, he means continue fundraising. Well, Roy Moore's got that covered. Roy Moore is fundraising. He's still asking people for money. He's, uh, you know, and... Gosh darn it, if part of me doesn't respect Roy Moore's tenacity, like, you know, I'll say it right now, all the allegations of sexual assault, all the grabby McFeels a lot of underage kids that he was doing, allegedly, I believe that to be true, and I think he's probably a ginormous scumbag. That's my gut. I have no proof of that, but that's just my... my, feeling about him in general however i gotta tell you that attitude that he has that attitude that he has where uh, look a person with less of that attitude would have just conceded the race a long time ago would have been like oh man the chips are really stacked against me there's nothing i can do i'm out this attitude that roy moore has this is why he's made it so far in the world he has the attitude that a coach looks for out of a competitive athlete that absolute refusal to give up that absolute refusal to believe that there's 
is not still something worth fighting for in there. This is an explanation where uh, of, of Roy Moore being where he is in the world. Like, it's just the blind faith that he could still win is... Like I said, don't think he's a good guy, but part of me thinks I should be more like that, you know? <laughs> I definitely like agree. That? It's hilarious. I mean, it's one of those deals. And don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound negative about government or about politics, but I've kind of lost that whole, like, rosy feeling that, like, good things are going to come from <laughs> from any sort of government. So for me, like, I just love the disruptor. Like, I love to see things in disarray. So this whole concept that maybe he didn't lose, it just, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. I love it. I hope it goes on. <laughs> and I know that's so bad. Well, he sent out a fundraising email uh, on Saturday. He sent out a fundraising email that uh, questioned the integrity of the election, saying this race is not over until the numerous reports of fraud have been investigated. All votes have been counted and the Alabama secretary of state officially certifies the results. Um, And I think part of the reason why he's fundraising for it is because with this slim of a margin, it doesn't fall to the state to fund any kind of recount, any kind of sort of like officiation of the results. He's got to do that privately because it's too close for really this calling into question that he's doing. And that's why he's asking for money. Also, he's a politician. And that's what politicians do. They ask you for money regardless of what's going on. Anyways, Moore released a video saying he will not concede the election until the Alabama Secretary of State certifies it, which is scheduled to happen no earlier than December 20. 26th and no later than January 3rd. That thing that you just said there, Travis, where you don't really think anything good will come of government in general. Like, you don't put a lot of faith in the whole system. This, this is a fair assessment of your belief, right? I mean, it is. And don't get me wrong. I love politics. I absolutely love politics. But I'm not one of those guys. You know what? When my guy doesn't win, that's fine. You know, it's it's not the end of the world. It's just it's not that big of it. It's a big game. That's all it is to me is it's a big game. And people say, oh, you know what? But you, this is people's lives and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. Okay. But nobody, I don't, I truly don't think anybody in office is fighting for what I believe in. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I Like I say, I'm not well, negative. It's I'm- just think you've hit on something that you know is basically something we've been saying over and over again for the past several years on this show since it began and that is if you're looking to an elected official whether it's local or state or president of these united states of america and leader of the free world if you're looking for someone you elected to make a difference in the quality of your day when you wake up in the morning if you're expecting your problems to go up in a puff of political smoke because the person that you voted for got elected well, then you are on the fast track to Disappointmentville, Population U. It's about taking your life in your own hands. And look, we have to be involved. We have to be a participatory, a participatory democracy. But you'll be a lot happier, a lot faster if you realize that in the final analysis, your happiness lies within your own hands. To put it in terms Travis go lightly, an able seaman could understand, you are the captain of your own ship. <laughs> Real radio, 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 radio. 104.1. Where the left and right come together for fundamental truths. AD on the radio, on Twitter at ADSXE.
So Travis, did you see the new Star Wars movie? I haven't yet. No story. No spoilers, please. No, I haven't seen it. I actually, um, you're gonna like judge me, but I've never actually oh! seen. Uh, well, I, no, oh, no, 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 no. Are you no. like Funkhauser? How is it possible that I work with two people? If I finish your sentence. No. I had never seen Star Wars <laughs> until like Funkhauser. How how um how is it possible that out of all the people on the face of this planet, all of whom have seen Star Wars, I work with two that haven't? I know, I know. So I've seen the first one, and I hadn't seen it until like three days ago. Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> and I don't know why I had never seen Star Wars. Honestly, like in my house, my dad would be watching Star Wars, and I'd walk by, and I'm like, oh. Star Wars is on, you know, but I just never stayed around to watch it. And I don't know. And then I got to the point where I was an adult and I was like, you know, <laughs> I've made it my whole life mm. without seeing Star Wars. I feel mm-hmm. like I missed the bus. So mm. I'm like, I can't see Star Wars. So the it's, other day, yeah. I know, I know the other day on the tugboat that I work on, uh, we came on board with crew change day and the engineer on our boat, Dare, he was like, he had this big grin on his face and I'm like, what? He's like, we always have these like guilty pleasure things called fat boy parties, <laughs> just because like I huh? love like junk food and oh, okay. so like, yeah, no, no. So as much as I like try to eat healthy, like inevitably we'll end up with a pizza party or something. And he goes, we're having a fat kid party, and <laughs> I brought Star Wars, and you're gonna watch it. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, and I knew I had to do it. But with Star Wars, see, this is the big, okay, so Star Wars, as everybody else on the face of the planet besides you and Funkhauser knows, starts with episode four. Like, episode four is the beginning, that that was the first one that came out in 1977, the one where we first meet Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia and Darth Vader and all the above. So, it's chronologically not the first episode to come out, and now there's this big question and I had this conversation with a buddy of mine who's got a five-year-old. Hey, if you're going to introduce your kid to Star Wars, which I know you are because you're the hugest Star Wars fan ever, where do you start? Do you start with the first movie that came out, or do you start going through the story chronologically? It's and a that giant, is a hot topic. <laughs> mm, mm, it's, a, it's a giant conundrum for a lot of people because the... Uh, the ones that came first, the second three movies, the one that came yeah. out in the late 90s and early 2000s, were, let's be real here, well, you don't know, but they weren't as good as the initial first Star Wars movie that came out in 1977. So, okay, where did you start? Where, okay, where do you think that you should start before I answer that question? I think that... I think if you start a, a Star Wars newbie off on episode one, they're not going to stick with it because the magic happens in the first one. You know, we kind of like watch the new Star Wars movies in the late 90s and early 2000s, liking them, but not loving them. And it was a little bit begrudgingly, but we were just happy to have new Star Wars. And I think if that's your jumping off point, then you're not going to be exposed to the full magic of Star Wars. But also, you're an adult now. So, like, you kind of got to see Star Wars for the first time as a kid. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, <laughs> this dialogue sucks. And it just won't be the same. I, I almost feel like people that don't see Star Wars until they're adults kind of miss the boat. I agree. I I definitely agree, and I felt inadequate going into it this late in the game. I saw A New Mm -hmm. Hope first. Yeah. So I did see the old ones. That's what I started with was the old ones. Mm -hmm. And what did you make of them? Did you like them? So you've watched three at this point. No, I've only watched one. I only watched the first one. 
Um, and I did actually, I really did like it, which kind of made me sick to my stomach because I really wish I had hated it. That way, all this time, I would have thought, you know, oh, you weren't missing anything. But no, mm. I actually really, I paid attention. I could not believe it was as long as it was. I literally looked up and I was like, we're two hours into this? Are you kidding? It was like, what? It's almost like a two hour movie. And it felt like it was so short. It was, the movie was great. The thing that kind of blew me away about like that first Star Wars movie, watching it recently, you go, that this was 1977. If you look at any other science fiction film from that era, from like the late 70s and early 80s, or just anywhere up until like the advent of CGI, they looked for the most part like crap. Like they looked completely garbage, unrealistic. Like the sets, you could actually see the strings holding up the spaceships. The special <laughs> effects were decidedly on special. And yet you look at Star Wars and you go, wow. This still looks fantastic. I mean, this yeah. really is something. Now, what's a bummer about the second batch of Star Wars movies is that it was sort of late. I think that, what, 1999 was when Episode One came out. And that was when CGI was just starting to be a thing. So there is so much CGI, and it's so overused, and it is so poorly used that there are scenes out of there that look like a Nintendo video game. It's just like it's very, very unconvincing in many respects. Also, like, here's the thing. There's a lot of politics in Episodes 1, 2, and 3. Like, they're constantly talking about senators and votes and, you know, the Republic versus, you know, trade organizations and things like that. It's like, it's not kid stuff. You know, there's some stuff in there where you're just like, ah. Uh, you kind of, you know, have to be aware of how government works to really get a grasp on what's going on. So I think, you know, especially if you're a kid, you got to start with the very first Star Well, the third Star Wars movie, which was the first Star Wars movie. And yeah, anyways, um, I'm a little jealous that you got to experience it for the first time. And I'm glad that you're sticking with it. And I, I, now I've forgotten, like I, I've forgotten what's happened. So I'm rewatching all of them, which is why I'm now acutely aware of how bad the CGI sucked in the first three episodes that came out in the late <laughs> 90s and early 2000s. I'm like, really, really? This looks like it was done on someone's iPhone like whatever and here's the other thing well you don't remember it because you didn't see it but that Jar Jar Binks character like the most hated character in all of Star Wars there's a lot of people yes and I don't know why well I think because he was annoying and he was supposed to be comic relief (laughs) but like I also I, I think at the time there was some sort of like outcry of racism within Star Wars because Jar Jar Binks is this lovable idiot. He's stupid and he comes from a race of stupid primitive beings like that aren't the sharpest tools in the shed. And they are clearly meant to be Rastafarian. Like, it's just not even, you know, Misa Jaja Binks, Yaman, is basically what he says every time he comes on screen. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't see it when I first saw it in the late 90s. But now I understand why some people might have been like, um, hmm, who is that directed at? <laughs> and I'm not exactly a bleeding heart. But you know what? On second glance, I get it. Sadly, I get it. For more stimulation and less irritation, 9 out of 10 doctors choose KPRC AM 950. Houston's more stimulating talk radio. Don't get the blues, get all the news. We mean all of you. Guys out there in Radio Land. All aboard! He's back. AD on the radio. 
It's the most wonderful time of the year. Are you in the Christmas spirit? I'm like totally in the Christmas spirit this year. Like I'm I love Christmas it. so much. Like mm-hmm. I'm the kind of guy that you could leave the tree up year round. Like mm-hmm. I absolutely love Christmas. I, I get a little sad to take the tree down. And you know what? It's interesting you bring up the tree because, well, you live on a teeny tiny little boat. Do you still have a, a Christmas tree that you put up? <laughs> I don't have a Christmas tree. Now, I'll tell you why, though, I don't have a Christmas tree. Because I spend more time at work than I do on my sailboat. So I'm on the tugboat that I work on. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I'm, I'm probably only on my sailboat a few days out of the month. And it's voluntarily. I mean, I love working over. I love working overtime. So I, I'm not at the sailboat enough to justify having a tree. Because I'd want a real one, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to be there to water it. Mm-hmm. But we do, on the tugboat, we have a, a Christmas tree. We have two of them. See, oh, two on the yeah. All right, so you're around it. You've got two. That's uh, wow. Well, we have I a was, fancy one, and then somebody had one of those little pitiful Charlie, Charlie Brown, Brown trees. trees. Yeah, oh, that's, that's great. it. I love that. exactly. So that's the two trees. There's one real one. I always hear about these people like that have these massive <laughs> houses, so it's necessary for them to put multiple Christmas trees up. I was just oh like, my God. and I actually heard about somebody doing this recently. A buddy of mine, and I was just like. <laughs> I, you know, even if I ever make it, I mean, really make it to the point where I have such a massive abode that it needs that much more tree to make it feel Christmassy in it. I don't <laughs> right. think I could ever be a two tree household. That I totally <laughs> could. Seems- I absolutely could. I used to love that show Nip Tuck. And uh, I remember like one of the Christmas episodes, I think it was like all these random like Christmas type trees were outside trees and they were decorated with lights and stuff. And I thought, oh my God, when I'm rich. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have somebody come over and decorate all my outside trees and make it like a Christmas tree farm. Well, no, but I mean, that's different when you have trees outside. I'm talking about two in the house. Like, the, recently, I've really gotten into other people decorating the outside of their houses. I used to think that sort of Griswold stuff was foolish and wasteful, but I got to be oh, honest with it. you. I really enjoy walking around. Yeah, you know, there's some neighborhoods where uh, magically all the neighbors get on the same page and they're just like, we're just going to throw up Christmas all over this entire place. And people drive through it and it, it just sort of like spreads cheer. And I actually feel grateful for people for doing that. I mean, A, their electricity bill has to be freaking sky high. B, they're spreading Christmas cheer. And C, it can't be fun or easy putting all that stuff up on the roof and in the front yard and all the above. So I really, I admire that. And I, like, I love Christmas because... It's that one time of year, man. It's that, look, I don't care what your religious beliefs are with regard to Christmas. I mean, <laughs> I know, I some, know. You want to know some random and interesting Christmas facts? I mean, first and foremost, 95% of Americans celebrate Christmas, I think. But uh, only 62% of Americans will go to church on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day. That's whatever. Christ, from a historical perspective, probably not born on Christmas. First, we know that shepherds were in the fields watching their flocks at the time of Jesus' birth. Shepherds were not in the fields during December. Luke's account suggests that Jesus may have been born in the summer or the early fall. Since December is cold and rainy in Judea, it's likely that the shepherds would have sought shelter for their flocks at night. Christ wasn't born on Christmas. The spiritual hodgepodge and the religious cross-pollination that is religion moved the celebration of Christ's birth to December 20. 25th, so it coincide with the already existing celebrations of the pagan winter solstice. But nevertheless, going to church at Christmas time, that's a nice tradition. And I think the thing that I love about Christmas is there's never a day where more of the world is bonded through the spirit of good wo- goodwill toward all. It's a magical time of year in that respect. 
It is. I love Christmas. It's just one of those things like, and it's funny because I'm not even like, as a kid, I always wanted to be the one that got the presents. Like I wasn't big into giving presents, but I think that's like every kid's, you know, how every kid is. But I just love, it's that magical feeling. I always like tease friends of mine that are like openly not religious and like they'll have a Christmas sweater on or something. And I'm like, you atheist, you're stealing my holiday. But you know, it's just, (laughs) it's a joke. It's a joke because I, I love that even people who aren't religious have grasped onto Christmas because it's just, like I said, it's that magic feeling it's uh you know that happy time of year i'm totally into christmas hmm. it's it's that it really is that good will toward all and there's so much of the world that feels that on that day and you know what i think that um i will quote some obscure songwriter by saying we need a little christmas right this very minute that whole idea of goodwill toward all is something that really goes a long way especially with the world the way it is in 2017 going into 2018 so i'm all about it have you uh (laughs) have you been watching christmas movies you're gonna make fun of me (laughs) like it's it's such a um a guilty pleasure of mine i of course, I love like the Griswolds and I don't know yeah. Scrooge. What you know, whatever. All those like the token Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. But my guilty pleasure is the really cheesy, really bad Christmas movies. Like, um, <laughs> like, like. This How stuff. bad are we talking? <laughs> We're talking really bad. We're talking like the stuff. Um, that you'd find on like Hallmark Channel. <laughs> oh, 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 that's, oh, wow. I thought you meant like Christmas with the Cranks or something like that. That's a whole no. other rock ra- rock no. Let's dig a little deeper. Um, no, these are bad. Oh, all right. I have a question for you. Did you watch The Christmas Candle? The Christmas Candle? Um, no. And I'm trying to, it sounds familiar. And I'm trying to think of what it was. And I, I honestly don't know. Is it a movie? It's a terrible Christmas movie. And I Is watched it, really? it. I watched it without realizing who was behind it. And then, you know, interestingly enough, this ties into what we're saying about Roy Moore. You know how Roy Moore has essentially lost the election, the special election. He, he, Doug Jones beat him. He will not be the senator from Alabama. That won't be a thing for Roy Moore, but he's still fundraising. And you're like, what the the hell, man? What the hell? So (laughs) it reminds me of Rick Santorum. Do you remember Rick Santorum? I was never a big fan. Uh, I do remember him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He ran for, he ran president, for president twice. twice. <laughs> yeah. And he ran for president twice, and it actually looked as though maybe, possibly, he was making a little bit of headway, and then he came out yeah. and said that thing when, when Romney and Obama were running against each other, and he looked like he might be a threat to both of them. He said that thing like, of course, if I'm president, I'll ban all pornography. And everyone went, <laughs> okay, oh. yeah, this, this guy is no longer a problem. <laughs> like, you're not yeah. going to take pornography away from red-blooded American people. That, that won't be a thing. So he lost, and he lost um, in fine fashion. Yet, after he lost, after he withdrew, saying there's not a mathematical path to election for me anymore, if you went to his website, you notice he was still fundraising. <laughs> he was still asking for money, and oh I was just God. like, "What the, what the hell is this?" And uh, uh, I, I don't know if he took his fundraising money and went and did this with it, but he took some money and he went and produced that movie, The Christmas Candle. No. Yeah, yeah. He, um, th- there was this idea for a little while that Dallas, Texas, was going to become the uh, the right wing conservative christian hollywood there is kind of like a film industry in dallas and it's sort of well they make movies like the christmas candle this was uh the thing um that he did i think he made it in dallas and he made it with a production company in dallas he he said 
Uh, what did he say? Hold on. Let me find it. Cause this was years ago. He said, this is a tough business. The devil for a long, long time has had these screens for his playground and he isn't kind of give it up easily. And so I ask for your prayers for me, for our company, uh, for all of those who are involved with the Christmas candle. We want to thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do to help make this a successful venture going forward. And the, the profit margins on these spiritual films are, it's great, great business. I got a buddy that's kind of sort of involved in it and you're like, you can make a movie for a million two million three four five million dollars which is way less than it costs to make a movie sort of like traditionally speaking and then you can have a 60 million dollar payday on it because the returns are fantastic it's low budget but you know if you're seriously religious and you feel as though the devil has had movie screens for his playground for years, as Rick Santorum said, <laughs> well, there's a limited number of things out there that you can watch without feeling that you're going to hell, hell, hell. So <laughs> that being oh the case, God. people seek this stuff out and they watch oh. it. And that's what Rick Santorum did between his first failed attempt at becoming president and his second failed attempt at becoming wow. president. He, um, he made... <laughs> the Christmas candle. So, you know, when that eventually comes on the Hallmark channel or wherever the hell it airs, just I don't know to change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds terrible. It's really bad. It's just, it not. sounds really, really bad. But I mean, if you like bad Christmas movies, then that might be a thing that you would enjoy. Cause it is I don't a think, bad I don't think so. Christmas movie. I watched, um, <laughs> what did I watch? I watched the night before you ever seen that one. No, that's, um, is it a, no, that's uh what's his name seth um come on the 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 chunky stoner dude he's really funny he laughs like this her, 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 oh. her, her. seth seth ah oh, come on i got nothing out here seth rogan seth rogan yeah it's uh seth rogan anthony mackie and joseph gordon levitt and ah, it's, it's funny i'm not a joseph uh gordon levitt fan you say that like it's not okay it's, so, like, I'm not trying like to offend anybody. I, I think it's just... funny. You know what? Hold on. Stop. Stop right now. Because <laughs> I got to tell you, that thing where you felt apologetic for not liking Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that's okay. Not liking... Just, I don't want to offend anybody, but I don't like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And it's a weird place that we've arrived at in society in this day and age where we feel like we have to apologize for not liking Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And you know what? You're probably not unique in that respect. It's like saying, I don't like curried goat. That's okay. So it's it's for some people. It's it's not for some people. To be completely honest with you, I also do not like curried goat. Have you ever eaten goat? No. No. It's... No. So, like... This sounds insane. I know it does, especially Curry, being from Texas. Goat, by the way, is not that bad. Uh, Goats, like... I can't do it's, it. We, have you ever had... Uh, it's sort of like this lamb dish, also I can't goat. do it. I can't do lamb either. Oh? So, I, I, I kind of consider, like, the only meats that I can eat are chicken, cow, and pig. Like, everything else, in my opinion, is an exotic meat. And <laughs> <laughs> I know, exotic I know it's, meat! <laughs> I know it's probably not, and people are sitting here going, are you kidding? Goat and lamb, are, they're not. It's not like it's antelope or emu or anything. I just, I, I don't know what it is about exotic meats. I can't do it. I can't I've had no emu won't. before. I've had an oh, emu burger before. It's actually, no. it just tastes no. like very lean beef, which is strange no. because it's a oh. bird that tastes like beef. Yeah. I, I couldn't but, do it. Mm, 
<laughs> exotic meat. See, lamb for me, I grew up in England. And, you know, roast leg of lamb with crackling on a Sunday, that's sort of like, <laughs> a, it's really good. It's, it's really, really good. You that's know, I don't want to be that guy that's like, it's too cute of an animal to eat. Because, I mean, cows are cute too, I guess, you know, and mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, people have pet pigs, but I don't know, like a lamb, a lamb or a goat, I mean, they're just adorable. <laughs> and I'd like to have them as pets, so I just, I don't think I could ever eat them. Hmm. I don't know. I know that's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Have you, what about, uh, you, you ever eaten venison? Oh, yeah, I have. I have, and I wasn't a fan of it. Like, I don't, and it wasn't even, like, I had it in Chile, okay? And this is, I didn't even know it was deer. In the country, looked, Chile, or it no, was no, no, in, no, 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 oh. no, no, in Chile, the dish, <laughs> like Chile with crackers. And I didn't know it was deer. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to be offensive, but this chili tastes really weird. And they were like, oh, it's venison. And I was like, oh, like, I did not like it. So there you go. It was a, what do they call it? a blind taste test? I didn't know it was an exotic uh-huh. meat and uh-huh. I still didn't like it. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I've never had venison. And I really want to try oh. venison. You know, like for one, I don't know if it was one week or one day, every single Arby's in America served a venison sandwich. They've been like beta testing venison sandwiches in a couple different places where I guess it's more common for people to eat venison. Like I know a lot of different people that are, you know, they grew up in places where hunting is a thing and that's sort of what you do. You go out, you hunt deer, you um, butcher it, you keep it in the freezer and it's kind of what you, you live off in a lot of different ways. You make it into steaks, you make it into sandwiches, you make it into sausages and things of that nature. But I've never had venison and when Arby's had their venison sandwich, I was like, I was really down to give it a go. I was very curious, but I've still never had venison. Although, again, growing up in England, you could get like a can of soup, you know, like Campbell's, I think it was called Royal Game Soup, and that had some venison in it. Oh, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm, I'm one of those people that is just like, I'm, I'm afraid to try new things. So like, and with deer, as I understand it, and most people, most of my friends love it. I mean, just absolutely love it. From what I understand, if you clean it right and like you prep it right it tastes amazing but if you don't it has a real gamey taste to it and like i say i've had deer i was mm-hmm. i was not i don't want to have it again i won't eat it again was it cut with something else like you know a lot of people that are trying to be healthy when they're making tacos or something it'll be like it'll it's half ground turkey meat half beef because i'm trying to stay healthy did they mix the venison with more traditional chili filling I don't remember. I wish they would have because it would have only made it better. <laughs> like, like, the less deer they put in there and the more normal meat that they put in, I probably would have liked it a lot better than it did. It wasn't good. I mean, the good, I don't thing, know. The good thing about um, eating uh, eating deer meat is it's only going to cost you a couple of bucks. <laughs> oh, no. And that's really not a lot of dough. God. Waiting to get washed oh dear. <laughs> You're so stupid. More AD on the radio. Back once again, the ill behavior. Delivering and giving your musical safety. Back once again, boy 
So wait a second. We were going to do the news, and by the way, there's yet another person that's been accused of sexual misconduct that we probably should talk about, and this person would be a very well-known television chef. But off the air, Travis Golightly, who is our guest producer today because Barry Funkhauser is out, you were telling me that you, you're into hypnosis now? Are you are you hypnotizing people? Or are you getting hypnotized? What, what, what the hell's up no. with that? No, I'm not hypnotizing anybody. It's not as it's not creepy like it sounds. It's I've just been watching these videos like on the internet um, about like conversational hypnosis and like essentially like getting people to do what you want without putting up a fight. Like, <laughs> Conversa- <laughs> like hold on, conversational hypnosis. You mean hypnotizing me while we're talking and me not knowing it? Because I think you need to take a look at your dictionary and readdress your usage of the word creepy no. and uh, no. putting the word not in front of it because that's like the freaking definition of creepy. It's not creepy. It's just like learning. <laughs> it's like manipulation, but not in a, oh, not oh, in a the very uncreepy sense. art of manipulation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's really not creepy. <laughs> okay. So wait, hold on. Wait, have you ever okay. like have you ever used the <laughs> hypnosis? Like I've got these hypnosis apps that I use on planes to kind of like I hate flying. I'm just tall enough where it's miserable for me because uh, your knees are bumping up against people and it's all this sort of stuff, and I just can't get comfortable. And so like I just want to check the hell out for the whole thing and i don't take drugs and i don't take sleeping pills and i don't drink so that those things aren't an option to me so i found all these like hypnosis apps and i don't know if they do what the hell they're supposed to do like you know quit smoking lose weight fulfill your potential stop telling so many people to f off like i don't know if they stop me from like i don't think they do <laughs> right, what they're right. supposed to do but every single time i put one of those bad boys on i'm like this time i'm really gonna listen to what this guy is saying and figure out how the hell he does it and then the next thing I know, it's like 45 minutes later, I'm waking up. I'm like, damn it, it happened again. So I totally believe this stuff can work. I've never used one of the apps. I've never used them at all. Um, but it sounds like it's just, you know, like one of those power of positive thinking things. I've never used those. I've just watched videos on like how to talk to people, how to phrase things. Like if you want them to agree with you or go along with something, you know, you might present something like uh, what you know. You could uh, you would understand how doing this. You, you know, make a bitch is, uh, and waiter at this point in the game. I, I bet you could upsell the large margarita, no problem. Hey, I know you think the small margarita is perfect for you, but wouldn't you agree that the large margarita is probably more fitting for what you need? You know, I mean, <laughs> it's more about like how you talk to people, but. No, I've never used the apps. I've never hypnotized anybody. I just I find the whole like manipulation thing. Have you been hypnotized? Thing, I I would say no. I mean, sort of, but no. I I volunteered like for this guy that was trying to learn hypnosis to try and let him. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, there's many times where I'd be willing to help people with their homework. <laughs> Letting them test out their brain scrambling on me when they weren't adept at it yet is not one of them. So that's charitable of you. How did that go? No, there was there was a professional there. So what it was is when I was working at the police department, this guy came in to teach like hypnosis and hypnotherapy to some of the detectives and so they were trying to teach them how to hypnotize people and they were like hey that's, does anybody want to be wait, hypnotized wait, wait. that's that's fascinating <laughs> why would a cop need to hypnotize someone or would they hypnotize how would what's the cop application of being a hypnotist well, so if you had a willing 
witness to something. Uh-huh. Obviously, I'm sure you know, like, sometimes your brain blocks things out, like painful memories or stuff like that. Subconsciously, your brain doesn't want you to remember it because it doesn't want you, you know, to be in pain over these things. And, you know, and that can cause negative, negative health issues. So your brain just blocks things out. So mm-hmm. they can use hypnosis and use like regressive hypnotherapy to let people go back like in a crime scene you know is traumatic and maybe they you know they don't remember the license plate or something but they and they this can is kind of this see is it. sort of like an, an accepted technique among law enforcement like on a local level this isn't just some like oh wow the crazy ass guy coming in from like outside the outside the usual jurisdiction to pull some hocus pocus that we're not familiar with this is something that most cops know a thing or two about that's fascinating. i wouldn't say most cops um and i don't know what the courts think of it like mm-hmm. from a professional standpoint but yeah um it's like regressive hypnotherapy and stuff is is used on occasion i would say at least to try and help somebody like go back and maybe not use it for straight evidence but like if they think they saw a license plate maybe mm-hmm. they can take them back and in their brain determine what that license plate was and that would give them you know some sort of lead i know they use it a lot with like missing persons and stuff like that Hmm. but again i don't know professionally how it's viewed but i do know it's like an investigative tool they try and teach to as many as many people as they want you know that want to learn it that are willing to learn that's like i actually talked to my shrink about hypnosis once because i was like is this a legit thing? Do you? And he was like, yeah, I used to practice hypnosis. I was like, no kidding. Can you do it to me? I'm so down. And he was like, nah, it's not something I do anymore. I'm like, but you try it on me. Just, and he's like, no, I was like, he's like, I'm out of practice and it's not something that I like to do. I'm like, why don't you like to do it? Is it morally reprehensible? Is it dangerous? Is it, he's like, nothing like that. It's just, you come in here for, you know, uh, 45 minutes to an hour. It takes me probably about 20 minutes to get you to a place where this is useful and then a certain amount of time to bring you back. It's not a productive use of my time was basically what he was saying because it takes and I was like these apps that I have that knock me the hell out on planes. Do you think they're really hypnotizing me? What is that? And he was like, yeah, sure. He's like, yeah, it's not like, you know. You can't be hypnotized to go out and do things that you wouldn't do. It's exactly. like, it's, it's really something that only works on you if you're open to it and it's something that you're okay with. If somebody says, you know, oh, I can't be hypnotized, then they're right. They can't be hypnotized. But, mm-hmm. you know, hypnosis, everything from conversational hypnosis to, you know, if you're driving down the street and you get to where you're going and you're like, oh, man. I totally don't remember that whole drive. You know, it, that's a that's a form of hypnosis. You know, yeah, you no, just, I, you I remember out. that explanation. Like sometimes yeah. you don't remember every every turn you took to get to your destination, exactly. and you've done it a bunch of times. It's like you drive to work, kind of in a trance. You know, when you're well, on autopilot. It sounds autopilot. like you're a willing participant. If you mm-hmm. uh, if you want, at some point, I can try and hypnotize you. I don't think I want a friend <laughs> hypnotizing me. I think that would be unusual. <laughs> Um, but here's the uh, routing number for my bank account. Please take everything yeah. that you want. Oh, I guess this conversational hypnosis stuff works. The conversational hypnosis stuff, Travis, that's a scotch creepy. I think you want to do it, don't you? Can we, like, hypnotize people that listen to the show to, like, send us money and stuff? <laughs> I think they want to send us money, don't they? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. <laughs> Leave the stimulation to the professionals. Everyone is so smart. KBRC, more stimulating talk radio. 
something happening here, and you should know what it is. <laughs> the Dumbing Up of America. Now, more AD on the radio. So, further to our conversation about you trying to conversationally hypnotize people, which I, I, I still stick to my original assertion that that's creepy. Um... I don't think you think it's creepy, do you? Yeah. No. <laughs> very good. You, you, you saw what I was trying one. to do there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost I know, didn't, right? I'm very good. That, that's how I'm you do good. it. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, what, what even motivated you to start learning how to conversationally hypnotize people on the internet? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not good at it. I'm just kind of, uh, I came across the videos somehow. I think it was, it may have been YouTube. I can't remember. Somebody may have. Somebody, I think, sent me, they knew I was into hypnosis, like, ever since I was a kid. Like, I remember being, like, 15 and getting a book on hypnosis and being like, wow, this stuff's really cool. Mm-hmm. And ever since, like, I was into it, people have been like, oh, do you should check this out, you should check this out. So, I think somebody just sent me a link to some stuff, and they were like, I could see you doing this. And I started looking into it, and I'm like, oh, this is very interesting. It's- have you come across that, <clears throat> what's it called, ASMR stuff on YouTube? No. What is so- that? It's really like, I think the person who's the biggest at it on YouTube is this woman called, I don't know what her actual name is, but it's, it's gentle whispers or something like that. And basically (laughs) (laughs) she's got this really sort of next level microphone that picks up everything in the room. Oh God. And she like whispers to you and then just plays with like a hairbrush and the sound of her fingernails against the hairbrush. And then, so do you remember back in the day, and this is old technology, but it's still amazing. Do you remember that dummy head recording that was floating around for a little while? No. What is it? So the dummy head is, it's fascinating because it was like a dummy's head with microphones all over it and a recording that they did around it. So you put this recording on, on your headphones and there's a person talking you know on the left side of the dummy head on top of the dummy head to the right and like when they're whispering into the dummy's ear it really feels like they're whispering into your ear it's incredibly sort of like creepy sensory deception stuff and i think she did you never came across that no no and the more you describe it i I don't want to come across it like that's just creepy it's really, really cool, though, and the I, I think she uses a microphone system like that. So when she leans to the left of the YouTube video, it, it feels like she's whispering into your left ear, and and and. Uh. But it just produces these weird tingles, in, and they call it brain tingles or something like that. I don't really? really know anything about it, but it like the results of it are undeniable. It does make your head feel all tingly and weird, and it is kind of strangely relaxing and she's got bazillions of views and all these comments with people saying oh you're really helping me deal with uh neurosis you're really helping me deal with like i'm off of you know some of my i'm off of xanax ever since i started watching your videos and things like that so i have no idea what the actual science is behind it or if she even knows it and there's so many different versions of this on the internet but it's it's kind of a fascinating interesting thing anyways please continue your hypnosis thing conversational hypnosis how did but check seriously i think her name's gentle whispering and she does it's called asmr and i don't know what asmr stands for it's like audio sensory something something but it's it's the trippiest thing when you do it please try it and get back to me i don't want to try it um <laughs> it's very pleasant it really is it just takes i, up I googled like a bunch it of your it's, time. 
It stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Okay. And I, uh, it, it you're, it's exactly appears. I mean, I'm just looking at the first few sentences of the, the Wikipedia page. Uh, some tingling sensation on the skin that begins with the scalp and moves. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you're, what you're, sounds like you're gentle whispering. You're exactly right. Gentle whispering ASMR is the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And it sounds creepy. I don't know. Like, I don't know that I want to experience that. It's, it's very pleasant. Like, I, I, <laughs> I've, you know, it's not something I've done a ton of times, but uh, like, uh-huh. I remember seeing some, someone was like, look at this thing. I was like, what? And they're like, it makes your brain tingle when she does this stuff. I'm like, That's yeah, weird. right. Whatever. I was like, oh, holy, holy crap. I've got tingles up and down my face and this t- stuff there's no denying that it works in some ways it kind of gives you like little shivers or something it's a really interesting and different kind of feeling i don't know about the long-term medical benefits of it but it it does what it says it does it makes your brain kind of freaking tingle but anyways yeah it's a thing so yeah so hypnosis go on so so yeah i think that's how i got introduced to the whole conjure like conversational hypnosis thing was i think somebody sent me a link to it and i was just you know watching it watching some of the videos and stuff and and i mean what they said makes sense you know the whole concept of just you know trying to essentially using words to convince people that they do actually want to do you know they do want to help you they do want to agree with you and uh, i think that's how i found it it's um i've always been interested in like hypnosis and stuff like that it's but like I say, I don't, I'm not good at it. I'm just, you know, I find the videos, instead of watching TV, I'd rather watch videos about stuff like that because I find mm. it really fascinating. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, the idea of understanding a little bit better how the brain works is yeah, kind of, it, it's just conversational hypnosis sounds all sort of draconian and manipulative. Although, it, no, I, it does. I got to tell you, you know, there's this one book, there's this one book that I put off reading for years and so many people were like, you should read it. It's a great book. And just the title sounded so sleazy that I was just like, "Ugh, no, thank you." Um, that book, "How to Win Friends," "How to Win Friends and Influence People." You ever, yeah. you ever read that book? No, I've never read it. I'm not a reader. Um, I would like to be, but I'm just. I don't know if I have ADD or what. Like, <laughs> I just can't focus on reading books. And like I say, the older I get, the more I really do want to become a reader. Uh-huh. But um, I haven't. I'm familiar with the title. I've heard the title before, and I know it's like one of the go-to books that, you know, like people read, but I just, uh, I've never read it. So, like, I avoided it for years because how to win friends and influence people sounds, like I said, unbelievably sleazy and manipulative. But it's basically sort of like 250 pages of, it's nice to be nice to people. It's basically 250 pages of, hey, you know, if you want someone to like you, try being a really good friend to them. Take a genuine interest in something. You know, don't be false. Don't be phony. Don't give them lip service, but find something about them that you find genuinely interesting and talk to them about that. You want to be, you know, somebody that people respect. And and it's just, like I said, it's a whole bunch of it's nice to be nice. And I really recommend it's a great book and it's a heartwarming book. I The title, I mean, look, obviously it didn't hold the book back because it's a bit of a legendary thing at this stage in the game but the title really doesn't sort of do the content of the book justice i think the thing that really hooked me in it was like if you really want to be a friend the best the the best example of true friendship what it actually really means to be a friend is probably sitting there at your feet warming itself by the fire that's your dog like there said if you want to be a friend to someone look at how your dog treats you and try and be like that. And I was like, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, obviously that's a thing. But, um, 
That's interesting. You know, it, it falls into a different category. It's not hypnosis, but you know that transcendental meditation stuff, right? I'm not super familiar with it. I've heard it. Um, I've heard of it, but I'm not really sure what it does. I've never tried it. So th- the reason I'd been curious about it for years is because basically my two heroes, my reason for doing pretty much anything and everything, Jerry Seinfeld and Howard Stern swear by it. And I've been doing this for years and years and years and years. And I think um, the, the Beatles were all really into it. So I was like, okay, if you're creative, this seems to be a useful thing. And, uh, you know, anything that makes me more like Jerry Seinfeld, I'm stoked to do. <laughs> oh, same and, here. No, now that now that I know that he's into it, mm-hmm. I'm even more curious. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then sort of like there's uh, the David Lynch Foundation started teaching transcendental meditation to veterans as really? a way of coping with PTSD and getting people off medication. And it's it's been scientifically proven over and over again to be a really kind of useful thing for any number of things and so the only barrier to it is that there are um schools that you have to go to like transcendental meditation is basically trademarked it's a it's a thing it's the Uh. and you got to go to a class and there is some cost it was more like the inconvenience of it that you know wait i gotta go to a place and learn something and sign up and i just want to be able to do it and who has time for that i mean seriously you'd have to take you'd have to take vacation you know so um, I actually found an app that taught something that was basically a ripped off version of transcendental meditation. And the, the, the whole shtick was, hey, um, you, this is similar to transcendental meditation. And I encourage you to take a transcendental meditation class. But this might be all you ever need. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And you know what? I, I gave it a go. And I, I got to tell you, um, I noticed a a pleasant difference, I suppose, is the best way of describing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, well, I guess part of it is, part of it regulates the amygdala, which is the part of your brain that releases stress hormones, you know, sort of like cortisol and adrenaline and things like that. And it sort of, it causes them to be released in a more sort of sensible and sparing way. Meaning somebody cuts me off, steals my parking spot at the mall. I still want to stab them in the face. However, that desire to stab them in the face goes away in about 30 seconds, as opposed to being something I carry around with me for the rest of the week, which it used to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. That was the big difference I noticed with this sort of transcendental meditation. And now, now I'm effed. I can't do it anymore because the guy who came up with that transcendental meditation half was Russell freaking Simmons. And it's got his voice at the beginning of it. I'm like, oh, no. So like... (laughs) I gotta, I gotta find a new oh thing. Maybe God. I'll go take the class or something like that. But Russell Simmons has been in the news, obviously, because he's been accused by like five different women of yeah. sexual assault, sexual misconduct, rape, all this sort of stuff. Russell Simmons, the guy who, oh, this is a tough one to swallow because he basically introduced the world to the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, and every form of music that I care about. He's so adamant, though, about not being a rapist that he started a new movement similar to the Me Too movement, and it's called the hashtag Not Me movement. In an Instagram post, he said, Today, I begin to properly defend myself. I will prove without any doubt that I am innocent of all rape charges. He said, my intention is not to diminish the Me Too movement in any way, but instead hold my accusers accountable. It's just a statement about my innocence. And he said he's going to prove his innocence by taking lie detector tests. Is that a thing or are those completely bogus? I always thought they were utterly meaningless, but you were a cop for a while. What's the deal with those? Oh God! You know what? And it's funny because I actually got I actually got hired on an agency at an agency, and uh, 
and they asked me, they're like, what do you want to do? Like, you know, beyond being a, you know, a patrol patrol officer, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a polygrapher. I said, I want to go to polygraph no school. No kidding. I did, yes. And I'm still very, very interested. Like, I still look at eBay all the time for polygraph machines and stuff. And I would love to be a polygrapher. However, that being said, do they work? <laughs> I don't know. I've taken a few. And let me tell you. There are questions that I've been asked. Were you able to lie successfully to the polygraph machine without no, it catching you? I had the opposite problem. The The polygraph showed that I was lying on questions that I was not lying on. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah. So it's just one of those things that's like, I mean, that's, that right there goes to show you. And, and there's so much skepticism. I mean, the courts view it as, as not being, you know, accurate. Um, there are polygraphers who have left the polygraph business to teach how to beat the polygraph polygraph machine everybody i talk to is very very skeptical now that being said does it show some deception i imagine it probably does i mean mm -hmm. they do ask control questions and show you how to identify you know where the deception is and you have to identify it yourself so i don't i don't know i wish i knew because i really really am interested in polygraph and i really do even now you know that i'm not working as an officer right now i would still love to be a polygrapher i, I don't know i am skeptical mm -hmm. I am skeptical mm. because it calls me a liar on stuff that I'm not lying about. So the fact that uh, Russell Simmons passed his polygraph test with flying colors when it came to the accusations leveled against him, eh, it's not... Doesn't mean uh, much to me. Yeah, so, all right. <laughs> doesn't I can't mean keep much. using his app. Uh, that's a, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, it's okay. I think it's a significantly more difficult situation for the people accused and the people doing the accusing. And, uh, well, there you go. Travis, go lightly. We have learned so many things today, up to and including the fact that you were at one point going to be a professional polygrapher. We look forward to being able to do this again. Thank you so much for filling in for Super Producer to the Stars, Barry Funkhauser. You are the best of best. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.